I can rock that blazer and that little black dress. I can talk in office talk and I can drop some slang. I just can't be put into a box. <laughs> but what do I know? So I loved it because while I was looking at your website, you have this written on your website. I just ah love it because this is so me. You said, I'm about my business, but I can also be a little goofy. I love God, but I love a good trap song. Girl, yes. girl, I read that and I said, yes, you better preach. Sure I do. Love, but I love a good trap song. <laughs> this is But What Do I Know podcast with Chid Suzanne, a space for learning, for healing, and for laughter. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the But What Do I Know podcast. I'm your host, Chit Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you all to another episode. We're here. <laughs> so if this is your first time tuning in and hearing the sound of my voice, thank you. I appreciate you. And I just need you to do one thing for me. Just one. You see that little bold word, subscribe, that shows up on whatever streaming app you're using to listen? Just go ahead and click it so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you've already been rocking with us, you've already been listening to a few episodes, I'm just going to assume that you've already subscribed. <laughs> but yes, I hope that you are all having a wonderful week. I hope you're feeling rested, you know, feeling productive. You know, we're back with another episode to get you through the rest of your week. And we're at the end of Women's History Month. So to all the women, I hope that you feel like you have been celebrated. I hope you feel, you know, rejuvenated. I hope you are just feeling blessed. I hope you're thriving and you just feel like you're ready to take on the world, baby. Because you can. You can. <laughs> yeah, so with that, let's go ahead and get into our cluing segment for this episode. So for our clue-in segment this week, I want to start off on a solemn note. I want to talk about, you know, the anti-Asian hate and rhetoric that's just been on the rise, um, especially since the beginning of this pandemic. You know, I'm sure most, if not all of you listeners are aware of the hate crime that took place on March 16th when um, Robert Long entered the massage parlors and killed eight victims, right? And so, you know, that is just one situation. But even when we just sort of zoom out of that particular circumstance, there are so many, so many instances of anti-Asian hate, anti-Asian racism that's just been taking place in, you know, in, especially in North America since the pandemic. And much of it has also been fueled by language by white supremacists, you know, language by leaders such as Trump that were calling it the Chinese virus. And so, you know, we're noticing that this anti-Asian hate and rhetoric is on the rise. And even, you know, stats show us that in Canada, hundreds, hundreds of incidences are being reported and that these hate crimes have drastically increased from the number and percentage of hate crimes towards the Asian community prior to the pandemic. It's it's just so like it's annoying. <laughs> like as a minority, it's like you know we're always fighting white supremacy in some way, shape, or form. Um, and it's just it's a constant battle, you know. But um, I want to say you know to listeners, I don't have all the answers for this one. Um, and I I honestly understand that this is a particular issue that I'm still sort of reading on trying to understand and I know that this is not a social issue that I am going to you know have all the answers to lead but I definitely want to understand and I just want to make sure that I use my platform in the right way to make sure people are aware of this right so in terms of accounts that you can follow please follow um, on Instagram stop aapihate.org um that's an, a coalition they're doing a lot of good work they have a lot of events that are taking place they have a lot of sort of practical things that you can do you can also donate as well so yeah so that's that there's also stop asian hate 
account on Instagram. I will put all this information in the description of this episode. And also on Instagram, I'll be reposting stories and, and such from these accounts. Uh, but yeah, I just think it's really important. And I know, you know, even as a black woman, there's been a lot of conversations about, oh, black people, you make sure you're standing along the Asian community right now and da 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 da. And I know I've heard a lot of black people say to me, you know, uh, well, there's anti-black racism in the Asian community. I know. I trust me, I know. And there was that part of my brain that was like, damn, like, okay, so we're dealing with that. And then this happens like, oh, and it's just this confliction in your stomach. But it's like, now is not the time to bring that up, you know? And now is the time for us to stand alongside that community in their fight against white supremacy. Because ultimately, racism, colorism, the discrimination amongst minorities within minority groups, you know, it stems from this white supremacist mindset and white supremacy and we all have to sort of collectively come together to fight against it so yeah that is uh that i will put all the information to the organizations that i mentioned below like i said i'll also be reposting i have been reposting some things on instagram but i will also be posting about these organizations on the insta stories as well so make sure that you are checking those out the instagram page is at bwdik podcast so the next thing that I wanted to talk about for our Cluent segment this week is an art exhibit. So the NIA Center for the Arts, and essentially this is an organization that is working to build Canada's first professional arts center that's dedicated to art from the African diaspora. Um, and side note, but you can actually donate to this cause and the work that's being done by this organization right now. But as for what I want to speak about for Clue In, the Near Center of Arts, in collaboration with the Toronto Harbourfront Center, they're presenting an outdoor exhibit. It's called Where She Went, We Thrived. Hmm. This exhibit is a tribute to Black women. You know, it features the work of three amazing Black women, and the pieces sort of examine the contributions that Black women have made to their different communities. And so this exhibit started in late February, sort of commemorating Black History Month and has run through March for Women's History Month and will continue to run until April 12th of 2021. So if you're like me, you know, you're bored at home, you're looking for something fun, something to, you know, look at, be inspired by that's outdoor, you know, COVID friendly. Yeah, you can check out this art exhibit. It's outdoor. It's down by the Harborfront Center. Yeah, be sure to check it out before April 12th of 2021. And now my favorite part of the Clue segment where I get to plug some music. So I told you guys I was an R&B head. I love R&B music. Um, you know, there are a lot of cool projects that have been coming out. Um, I'm really enjoying the single Leave the Door Open, Silk Sonic, Bruno Mars and Anderson Park. Can't wait for that full project to come out. But the song that I want to plug this week is from an artist that's, you know, very low key, more underground R&B, you know, perhaps up and coming. <laughs> Um, it has a really nice feel-good R&B type vibe to it. So, yeah, let's get into it. This one is called Feeling Me by Mars. We chillin', we vibin', I love to see that you slide I feel the vibration, it's callin' my name You feelin' me? Wanna be more big in the street, yeah Can I deny that I'm feeling my soul dry, baby Call me the No, 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 I cannot explain the feelings you get to me Love making these memories, baby, baby So many days will be, maybe get away and rain Doing what is best for me Eat up your energy, Nah, guys, Oof. it's just a nice, like, feel good if I'm cleaning around the house, I put that on. If I'm just lighting a little candle, I want to get the vibe right, I put that one on. So yeah, so that is Feeling Me by Mars. If you need some nice, feel-good R&B to get you through the rest of your week, make sure you check it out. But yeah, let's get into our main segment for this episode. So for our main segment this week, we're going to be talking specifically about women and our careers, you know, getting what we want out of our careers. We're going to talk a little bit about overcoming imposter syndrome as well, and just finding balance between work and other areas of our life in general. 
So to join me in having this conversation is Tasha of Real Talk Tasha. She is a success and clarity coach, a diversity and inclusion consultant, and all while still working in a top Fortune 50 company as well. So thank you so much for being on the show, Tasha. I'm excited to have this combo. Thank you, Chid. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited to be here and have this discussion today. So firstly, I just want to say that, you know, you are so multifaceted and it's just something that, you know, I admire. And, you know, even as I was taking a look at your website and I was prepping for this episode, I was just like, dang, she does this and she did that and she does this. <laughs> um, it's amazing. So I'm just wondering, you know, just to sort of start off, can you please share, you know, a little bit about your story and just your journey, how you've navigated your corporate space and what also, you know, uh, brought you to start in Real Talk Tasha? Absolutely. So a little bit of my background is I am um, an innovation director in my nine to five corporate job, and I've been in marketing for over 10 years now. Um, so lots of experience working in the corporate world. And quite frankly, one of the things that led me to develop Real Talk Tasha was birthed out of an experience that I had gone through and subsequently then through conversations found out that there are many other black women who are going through the same thing. So I had been through a space where, you know, when I first got into corporate America, well, look, stepping back just a little bit, even, you know, I went to a historically black university, Alabama A&M for undergrad, because I had this dire thirst and hunger to be surrounded by people who looked like me. It's tough being the only. Um, and I grew up in a, you know, predominantly, predominantly white school district. Um, and so I often was the only one. So I was hungering for that de uh, and desiring to be around a community that looked like me and where I didn't feel like I was the only one. Then after leaving that amazing experience at HBCU and going into corporate America, I was back in that world of being the only. Um, things were going well. I was liking the marketing career that I was in, but there were still the challenges that came with being black in corporate America. I feel oftentimes that, you know, I, um, wasn't always understood and wasn't heard or had the, you know, ability to bring the value at the level that I wanted to. So then I decided to go back to school because for me, I was like, okay, well, if I go to school, it'll give me some time to try to figure things out a little bit. And like, I can come out making more money on the back end. And quite frankly, if I'm really honest with myself nowadays, I went back to school to try to figure my life out while looking like I still had it all figured out. <laughs> like, let's just get really real. And so it was a moment for me to like, okay, I got two years to kind of go get stuff figured out and figure out why I have this discontent and disconnection in my career, um, even though I'm doing something that I enjoy. And so I spent that two years um, traveling the world, came out making more money at a, you know, my dream company loved it, got there. And then about two and a half, three years in, I started to have that same feeling. I'm like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? I'm at my dream company. Like, why am I feeling like this again? And as I started to, you know, go through that process, I was also at the point where I was having some career conversations um, around what my next career move would be. And quite frankly, I was enjoying the role that I was in and had no desire to go where they were trying to push me. I, um, you know, had expressed that and it felt like I was really being pressured into it because it circled back and it got presented to me as almost as if I didn't have an option. Like, hey, if you don't take this, there may not be a future for you at this company. And so it, I begrudgingly had agreed, um, felt so much anxiety, like came home, complained to my husband every day, like, oh, I'm going to hate this job. Like, oh, this is going to be so terrible, et cetera, et cetera. I was, you know, blessed and fortunate at the time in my career where I had the opportunity to take a sabbatical. And so I took three months off work to, cause I was like, I just need to pause. Like I'm, you know, in a very demanding job where I'm usually in back-to-back -back meetings from like, you know, nine to five, five thirty, Um, and then trying to like do my actual work afterwards or before. And then I felt like, you know, by the time I got off, I was so mentally exhausted. I just wanted to like watch something meaningless on TV. Like I had no time to really think and process. And I spent the weekends trying to recover. So I was like, I'm going to take this three month sabbatical to really get my head clear and to really go deep and figure out like, well, what do I want? Because I feel like I'm back to where I was post undergrad, where I had that feeling and then went to school to try to figure things out. And now I'm right back in that same space again. I'm like, I'm not going back to school. Like I'm not spending no more money on no more education. Like that's not an option. I need to figure this out and get to the root of what's going on. 
So during that three months sabbatical, I really spent time doing some deep self-reflective work to get really clear about, well, what did I truly want? Because it's like, hey, I'm already at my dream company. Check, got that. I'm doing marketing, which is my dream career. Check, got that. Why am I still unsatisfied? And what is it about, you know, the feeling this unfulfillment that I'm having? And when I got to the root of it, really it was because I wasn't truly clear about the level of impact that I wanted to make and how I wanted to make that in the company and being able to advocate for myself and my career to get that. So like I said, right before I took the sabbatical, I was having career conversations where I felt like I was being pressured into taking something that I did not want. And so during that sabbatical, I got really clear about like, okay, well, here's exactly what I want. And I knew it was so much confidence that then when I came back off my sabbatical, I went and had a conversation with my VP and was like, hey, I know I agreed to this before we left. Here's what my purpose is. I've gotten really clear about my talents and where my purpose lies and where I can make the biggest impact. Here's how that adds value to the company. And here's what I'm now asking for instead of what I had agreed to before I left. The conversation went really well. And because I was so clear about what I wanted, my level of confidence when I walked in the room to have that discussion presented itself differently and the way I was able to advocate for myself and align it with the company's values was a lot different. And so I was actually able to get them to shift my career path, which I was struggling for like a good two to three months beforehand to get them to do. And so um, through that experience, I realized there was a lot of kind of wavering certainty in what I really wanted to do to where I wasn't able to articulate that clearly to other people. And then I wasn't confident enough in it to go boldly ask for what I wanted. Through this time, I also talked to several other Black women in corporate America who were going through very similar things and had that level of unfulfillment. And so through that, I realized like there is a need for this. Um, and then wrapping back to the sabbatical, one of the things that I did was I took some time to do a lot of um, devotionals. During that devotional time, the other thing that layered on that started Real Talk Tasha was God dealt with me through the reading of the parable of the talents, which I had read many times before. For those that don't know, the parable of the talents in a very like short abbreviated version, God gives three men different bags of silver. He gives one ten, one five, and one one bag. The two that get multiple, they go and flip it and turn it into exactly. even more. I get the bag, so, flip it and get, tumble it. Even flip it and tumble <laughs> it, make some more, you know, got to bring in that money. Um, and then the one he gives the one bag, he, he goes and buries it because he's afraid that he's going to lose it. And then God basically tells him like, well, what did you do with what I gave you? And he was very disappointed in him. And God basically snatched my edges doing it, like reading this time and was like, uh, you the one person, you the one burying this one bag, my, you bury in the gifts that I've given you. And I was just like, oh, dang, Lord, why you have to do me like that? I'm like, okay, but I get it. Because he also reminded me, he's like, I gave you this vision over 10 years ago to start coaching. And you gave me every reason why you weren't ready, weren't qualified, why you shouldn't do it, why we're going to put it off to later. And here we are. I'm telling you again. So what you going to do? Like, I didn't gave you, I didn't serve you up on a platter. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what you're uniquely gifted to go do. Because you've lived the experience and you're capable of helping other women get through it. Now I need you to go actually be obedient. So therein lies the birth of Real Talk Tasha and how I got here today. So Tasha, you also mentioned a really good point. I think this is something that a lot of young women, especially young Black women that, you know, we can sort of relate to. And that's this idea of feeling like, you know, something is missing in your career, especially when you're just starting out and you're just starting to, you know, sort of test the waters, figure out if you like it. And I feel like that's sort of where I am right now, where it's like, OK, I, I'm just dipping my feet in my career, you know, check. I'm starting to work in a company that I'm like, OK, this is great. You know, they're, you know, um, their sort of vision aligns with sort of the vision that I have for my career. Cool. This is a cool start. Um, but then, you know, you some days you love it and some days you feel like, oh, I want to do something different. And then, of course, you know, I know we talked about this when we were connecting before this episode and I had talked about, you know, the reason for even why I created this podcast and just wanting that outlet to, you know, speak and have conversations with people. And as some days I'm sitting here like, dang, like I have this this more like professional sort of 
career route. And then I have this sort of creative outlet that I'm also really enjoying because it also, you know, allows me creative freedom and ownership over certain things. And then, you know, some days you get to feel like, do they need to intersect? Do I need to, you know, do it's more like something one? Ain't clicking, right? Should it's I maybe, like... you know, and it's just, you're sitting there, you're like, dang, like, <laughs> like, you know, what is enough? What should I be doing? You know, and you're just sitting there like, dang, like, <sighs> yes, you are not alone in that. There are many women. And the thing is, so a lot of um, high achieving black women struggle with this because, you know, we reach the, like we have these big audacious goals that we end up achieving. And then we have that moment where it's like, this is not clicking how I thought it was going to click. Like, what's up? Like you said, I got this job that I was like, had on the top of my list. I'm doing exactly what I desired. This paycheck is looking pretty good. I ain't struggling. I'm able to take trips and travel and I ain't struggling to like pay my bills. I got extra money in the bank. What's up with me? Like, why am I not fully like happy with this? And oftentimes the reason is because women, especially black women, in corporate spaces are dealing with so much when it comes to like micro microaggressions, um, biases, et cetera, where they, we oftentimes wear masks to work. And so we're not really ever fully bringing our authentic selves. And so while we're operating in a very high capacity and usually our top talent in organizations, there's a struggle in an, um, disconnect between everything that we would desire to truly do and be versus what we feel like the corporate America culture is allowing us to fully do. So oftentimes there's a desire to be, have more control and be more empowered than what a lot of us feel like in corporate spaces. So like as hearing you talk about, you know, some of the things that you love about the podcast, um, I hypothesize that part of it Go is on because and you are in full control. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You are in full control and you are able to make the vision and go execute it how you best see fit without anybody else telling you you can or you can't. And you're able to go learn and explore and go figure things out and achieve your level of results that you desire without somebody questioning or doubting or telling you, well, no, we can't do it that way. Or we've always done it like this or X, Y, and Z. Okay. So hearing you say that, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, so if a lot of black women are feeling that way and a lot of women of color are feeling that way, you know, it doesn't surprise me why then, you know, a woman would say, you know what, forget this. I'm just going to go, you know, start my own thing. I'm just going to go own my own, you know, consultancy or practice or whatever it may be. Right. But then again, ownership is not for everyone, you know? So is it possible for us, you know, to do the nine to five, if that's what we want to do, we just want to do the nine to five, you know, and be able to have a balance with other aspects of our life and still make an impact. Is it possible for us to do that and not necessarily, you know, have some sort of ownership in that field? No, it is absolutely possible. And what it boils down to is being able to advocate for yourself in a powerful, authentic way. And that's where a lot of us struggle with that because we have be been for lack of better words, beat down for so many years through the microaggressions and the, um, you know, raised eyebrows when we start to bring some of our authenticity to work, that it kind of puts us back into this like shell of like, well, maybe I won't do that or say it like that anymore. Or, like, I don't know. And that doubt and imposter syndrome starts to creep in that then holds us back and keeps us playing small, quite frankly. And so the way that this is exactly why I work with women who are in corporate spaces, because this is what I help them with, because like you said, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Not everybody wants to go start their own business. And so it is crucially important that we have black women out here who are able to thrive in corporate America while being their authentic selves. And so that's really what I help my clients work through is getting that clarity and confidence on who they are and what they want to be able to authentically show up in that way and boldly go out and get what they want out of their careers. And it's important to know how to do that in an effective way that's going to be well received from these corporate spaces. That also is why I have also the diversity inclusion 
aspect of my business as well, because in addition to working with individuals to set them up so they know how to go in and advocate for themselves, I know there is also a level of work that needs to be done within the corporate space with the different leaders to open their eyes to some of the hindrances that cause this tension with Black women in you know, the workspace. And so I'm working from it from both angles. So you brought up something and that's perfect because it actually leads us into the next topic that I wanted to sort of discuss with you. And that's the idea of bringing your whole self and showing up authentically to work. And I feel like that's so important, especially, you know, as black women, as women of color. And that's something that, listen, I told myself, I was like, listen, you're not going to wear a mask. You're going to be your full, authentic self from work from the very beginning of your career. Like I told myself, I'm like, I'm not going to start from now to start, you know, uh, wearing a mask or code switch and all stuff. I was like, no, you're going to be your authentic self. And a lot of my colleagues know it. Like I would drop slang. I'm so comfortable. And I definitely think that, you know, working from home has helped with that. But like, I'm just, you know, I'm just me because I can, I'm not going to be rigid. Like, yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I will get that report done for you right away. I'm like, you know, I got to be comfortable and be relaxed and let my personality show. It's all part of my work experience. Right. So I loved it because while I was looking at your website, you have this written on your website. I just ah love it because this is so me. You said, I'm about my business, but I can also be a little goofy. I love God, but I love a good trap song, girl. Yeah. Girl, I read that and I said, yes, you better preach. Sure do. But I love a good trap song. (laughs) Exactly. The thing that I hate the most is when people try to put me in a box. Like, I don't have to be either or. Like, I don't have to be this, like, awesome, like, God-loving Christian and, or this person who loves to twerk and, you know, enjoy some good trap music. I could be both. Like, I ain't got to be, you know, this super sophisticated, intelligent corporate, you know, executive or be somebody who loves to like speak slang and talk improper Listen, English. I like, can do ta- both. Like, look, and I, I do can both. do both of these. Exactly. I do both. And I'm tired of having to separate the two when I go to work. And so I don't anymore. So going back to what you were saying, you know, I I love it. (laughs) I love it. And I feel like, you know, with me, it's like, you know, I'm ready to bring my full self to work. But is the workplace ready for me? That's the real question. (laughs) But, um, you know, I want to dive a little deeper into that because I want to get your opinion on this. And I want to know what are some of your experiences with microaggressions in the the workplace? You know, I know you're based in the States and I'm here in Canada. And Mm -hmm. I know, you know, sometimes people don't understand the way that microaggressions or racism manifests in the workplace because it's there in Canada. It's just that it can be so covert that it's hidden and you may not really understand it and it can be misconstrued. So I'm just, you know, interested to sort of see and understand your perspectives and your experiences of microaggressions in the workplace when it comes to uh, your experience in the States. Yeah. So it can be very passive here. So, um, I've definitely had experience with microaggressions showing up even in my like performance reviews. And I had to, I had to have a conversation to address that because the, in my performance reviews that I was having, it's, you know, interesting that I was being viewed as top talent in the organization, but yet in these performance discussions, there would always be this negative feedback around my style, not about the output. There was no question about the results that I was delivering but it was about my leadership style. And I quite frankly had a conversation with my, you know, two up manager and was like, you know what, I'm noticing a theme here. Every time I'm getting feedback from this person, it is around my leadership style, but never around my results. My results are impeccable and there's no questions about that. But every time I'm getting feedback, it's around my style, which I feel like is a natural bias and a microaggression because I should be able to operate in my natural style versus having to adapt to whatever makes this person feel comfortable as long as my results are being delivered. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's definitely passive over here too. And 
you know, sometimes I think about even the way that we define professionalism and what is professional and when it comes to even our dress and attire and, of course, hair. And, <laughs> you know, when you're doing an interview and you feel like you got to slick your hair back or wear a wig or, <laughs> or put on a weave <laughs> or something, you know. Now, some of that, though, I will say is often internal because I've personally struggled with that because I was like, I took me for the longest to, to have the confidence to say I'm going natural because I questioned. I was like, well, what's that going to do with it? Work. And I'm like, why am I having, and I even felt like I needed to give my team a pep talk to be like, hey guys, I might come in here one day with my hair chopped off and it's going to look different, FYI, because I've never seen what my hair naturally looks like growing just out of my head. I've always had relaxed. And I was like, that is so silly. Why did I feel like I needed to give a pep talk about me changing my hair when somebody else go get a haircut? They don't come in and be like, hey guys, I may come in with my hair red next week. No, don't nobody else. And I'm like, that I, I but I felt like internally that I needed to. Nobody said anything. And so now I've like, but I'm telling you, like I've boldly changed who I am. Like there was a, a meeting I went into that had the CEO and the CMO and their team in there. And I had long braids, box braids down my back with some gold hoop earrings and some popping red lips. And I was like, I'm going in here with all of my greatness. And guess what? They were talking about my strategy for weeks afterwards. They were like, oh, man, that was like really good. And it's like, yes, thank you. I know it was great, wasn't it? <laughs> I love that. I love that. So for my next question, and this is this is the one that's going to really speak to us as women finding our balance. So and, you know, I'm asking you this because, you know, you're more mature and I want you to put the young women on. So in your opinion, do you think that it's possible for us women to, you know, truly have it all you know can we you know have the career at the level that we want it you know find love if that's what we want and you know just have this balance between you know our career our family our wellness you know um and I ask that because sometimes it appears as though we have to sort of make a choice and then a lot of women sometimes end up sacrificing their career at the particular level that they wanted to take it to so yeah, you know, can we can we have it all? Can we have this balance? <laughs> My point of view, I think it's definitely possible to have it all. It you it, it's choices that you make that I will say there are probably different levels and or I'd say maybe a spectrum within each of those spaces. So there's a spectrum on what looks like success for you in your career. There's a spectrum of what looks like success for you in love and you know whatever it may be. And so there's balance that has to happen within those different spectrums. But I think you can definitely have it all. The important piece is being really clear about what you want and what truly matters to you to help you prioritize. Because what I can tell you is I think it would be a little naive and or maybe completely um, exhausting for you to try to have all of those at. 100% at the same time. Like for, it, 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 you know, you have to have some level of balance so you don't wear yourself out. And that's why it's important to be really clear about what truly matters to you, what is success for you in career, in love, in family, in whatever, you know, other aspects you have on that list that you want it all in. That way you're really intentional about how you invest your time because let's be clear, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. So we have a limited amount of time, like there is a limit <laughs> in the sense of how much we can spend in each of the spaces. But once you're really clear about what you want, you can balance and prioritize your time appropriately to make sure that you're getting enough of what you need out of those different areas in life. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I think balance and prioritization is definitely definitely important because you can't have all those different aspects and spheres of your life running hot at the same time that's definitely really exhausting so I do want to ask you this then you know how does the work that you do at Real Talk Tasha then help women realize what they want in their careers to then be able to create and form this balance in their life yes yeah, so I guide my clients through some really deep self-reflective work that helps give them a guiding compass to make decisions and work through that imposter syndrome. And so it's kind of tied to a little bit to the last question too, on getting really clear about what you want. That's what I help clients work through because oftentimes we kind of know at a high level what we want. We're like, yeah, we want a good job where we're able to excel and do well. 
we want like you know a good love life and you know you know you know it in generalities but the specificity of it so like i was saying personally that's one of the reasons i struggled to adequately advocate for myself in my career prior to taking my sabbatical is because i knew in high generalities what i wanted and so i was able to talk about that in the conversations but i wasn't able to have the level of clarity and specificity to get what i wanted until afterwards and so it wasn't until i got that specificity that I was able to actually get what I wanted. And so that's what I help clients do is to get to that level of specificity and clarity. And through that process, I also help build up their confidence at the same time to where they are so confident in what they want. And I teach them then the strategies and action plan to go within and learn how to advocate for themselves and go to put into implementation those strategies to get what they desire out of their career. Um, and as part of that, is really grounded in bringing their full authentic selves to work. So taking that mask off and truly bringing all of who they are to the table and with so much confidence in what they bring to the table that there's no doubt that they're going to get what they want out of that conversation. So I'm sure you have clients that you work with that, you know, at some point or another experience imposter syndrome. So how do you sort of work with them to get them through that? Imposter syndrome is real. And quite frankly, I'm going to be honest with you. I still deal with it from time to time. You know, Matt, I think everybody does. Like there's people, um, famous celebrities who I've seen talking about imposter syndrome. Like it's a never ending thing, but you need, what you need is the tools to combat it and then to be able to recognize it. And so that's one of the things that I work with clients on is giving them those tools to be able to combat it and also helping them figure out okay, how do they identify if it's imposter syndrome? Because a lot of fears that we have are really rooted in imposter syndrome. So there's often times that people will say, oh, well, no, I can't do that. I can't go ask for this. And it's like, okay, but why? And then we, I go through the coaching process and then we start to talk through it and I ask a level of questions. And really it's, it, you know, it comes down to, it's rooted in fear. Well, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's like, but you don't know, right? You don't know until you actually go do it. And so helping them uncover what's actually uh, rooted in fear versus in facts helps them work through that imposter syndrome. And then I also give them a set of different tools. One of those being affirmations that are unique to them that help them overcome those things because our brains are wired in a way where it is so easy to anchor on the negative as our first thing. Like we always, especially high achieving women, because it's like, we always looking for the next level of perfection. So we always looking for that one thing that went wrong so we can improve it. It's like, we forget about the hundred of things that went right. And we like, oh, but let me focus on this one thing, that one, that one little thing, like, cause I want to do better next time. And that actually can be a hindrance for us and stop us from reaching our highest level of success at some point, because we get so focused on the negative and forget about all the positive. So part of it is remembering like, sis, you a boss already. Like, think about all that you've accomplished to date to get to where you are and take some time to reflect on that. And then, oh, by the way, let's talk about where you are uniquely talented and gifted and the strengths that you have and build on that. And then let's make sure that, you know, you have the tools to go like execute these things in a way that allows you to show up and present yourself based on the confidence layered into those strengths and your track record rather than the fear-based presentation that usually is easier to show up where you're questioning and doubting whether you're worthy for the position that you've reached today. Yeah, that's amazing. And I feel like, you know, even for me, the whole sort of, you know, foundation for this podcast, this platform, this community is just to, you know, sort of tackle that feeling, that feeling of, oh, but what do I know, you know? When we have this thought or we have these dope ideas and as black women, as women of color, we then right after we, we say, oh, but what do I know? Or we act in a way that sort of like, you know, reduces all the dope stuff that we know. So, yeah, no, I completely I completely get that. Exactly. And I love that. And that's so that's another thing that um, ties to one of the things that holds, you know, women of color back in corporate America, because oftentimes out of everybody, we struggle the most to truly advocate for ourselves and toot our own horns in terms of the awesome work that we're doing. So a lot of women of color will not like go out and tell people about all the great work they're doing because like we have this cultural agreement and this thought that like, 
well, I'm just doing my job. Like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I ain't expecting no pat on the back for delivering great work because that's what I'm getting paid to do. But other groups don't have that issue. Like they will go and toot their horn on some mediocre work <laughs> and, and tell everybody everything that they're working on. But women of color and especially black women struggle with that. And and it can be a hindrance sometimes. And so that's another thing that I help, you know, my clients work through is don't be afraid to toot your own horn. Let's talk about your track record. Let's talk about like all these great results you've de delivered for the company thus far. Let's talk about, you know, that, you know, unique ideas that you've brought the, to the table. Like, let's not forget about those things. So you mentioned affirmations. Do you have a favorite affirmation? Uh, what? One of the ones that immediately comes to mind is I give myself permission to be imperfect. Because as a high achieving woman, I have to remind myself, Tasha, <laughs> sis, give yourself permission to be imperfect. Because it also helps me when, you know, I have a fear that rises and I'm like, well, I don't know, is it going to work? I need to, I, I have this desire to want everything to work out perfectly the first time. And I have to remind myself, I give myself permission to be imperfect because that allows me the freedom to go try things. The other one that it's a, like anchored on my business mantra is do it scared. Like to not be tied to that. Um, another one of my favorites is I am more than capable and more than confident and don't need external validation because the, a lot of us are, see, are making our decisions based on external validation and what other people are going to say or think. And that keeps you playing small. It's one, it's like, those are reasons why it's like, hey, you know, the, what we just talked about, about the, but what do I know mindset? That was one of the reasons that stopped me from like starting my coaching business over 10 years ago. Cause I was like, but what do I know? I'm too, I can't do this yet. I'm too young for X, Y, and Z. Or I was afraid of, oh, well, what people are going to think? Like, what's such and such going to say if I put myself out there and fall fat, flat on my face? Like looking for the external validation. I'm like, who cares? Like I'm out here playing small, stopping myself from achieving greatness at its highest level. Like an abundance that God has called me to because I'm concerned about what other people are going to think. Or concerned about trying something and not working sis give yourself permission to be imperfect you know you're more than confident more than capable and you don't need external validation go do it yes whoo you don't need external validation go do it sis that honestly tasha that is oh and the part about give yourself permission to make mistakes give yourself permission to be imperfect I love that. I really, really, really love that. So I want to wrap up by sort of asking you this question. So I was speaking to a friend of mine recently and we were talking and she was like, Chid, like, honestly, like, is this all there is to life? Like, you know, I, I go to work, I, I do my thing, you know, perform my tasks, do reports, whatever. I come home, I relax a bit, I get ready for the next day. And then, you know, I wake up, I get ready and I essentially do it all over again. Like, is this really all there is to life? Like, is this all I'm going to do from now to sort of when I retire? Like, you know, sort of this like and we were talking and sort of just reflecting and then having this existential crisis yep. like, damn, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Is this all there is? <laughs> so I just wanted to ask you, you know, have you experienced that or, you know, do you work with clients who sort of are having this feeling of like, is this all there is? Oh, sis, I've lived it. <laughs> I've lived it and I've heard it from clients. It's that existential like rat race feeling like you on a hamster wheel. I had that wake up moment where I woke up and I was like, is this all that it's going to be the life? Like now that I'm out of school, this is what adulthood is going to look like. This can't be it. There has to be more. There has to be. <laughs> One, you're not alone if you're feeling that way. So to all the listeners out there who are like, oh, yes, I feel that same way. It's like, what am I doing with life? Like you're not alone. One. And two, it is definitely resolve, resolvable. What I'd say is to think about, well, what is it that is causing that feeling of that redundancy and feeling like burnt out? Is it the type of work that you're doing? Because it could be like, hey, maybe your work is out of alignment with what you know your strengths are and what you're truly passionate about. Or is it the environment that you're operating in where you don't feel like you can make the meaningful difference that you desire. So maybe you are in a career that is something that you enjoy and it's aligned with your talents, but 
the way that you are operating and the what it within the current culture is not allowing you to make the level of progress and influence and difference that you desire. And so you kind of feel like I'm going to work just doing stuff, but I'm, I don't feel like I'm making a difference. And that could also be why you're feeling that way. Because when, especially as high achieving women of color and high achieving black women, we know that we are talented deep down and we know that we have so much to bring to the table when we are trying to push things forward and they're not moving at the rate that we want, it becomes that it's defeating. It's annoying, it's defeating, it's frustrating. And so you, li- you leave work feeling depleted versus energized because you're like, I didn't make the level of progress that I truly wanted. And so that's another thing that I help clients with is like, okay, how do you really get your ideas across and go and advocate for what you want in your career, that way you don't have that feeling. You're able to, you know, get the results that you desire, and it can make a meaningful impact. And so, whether it's like, hey, your career is out of alignment, or you're just feeling like you're not able to make the meaningful difference where you're at, I'd say it's important to feel empowered to do something about it. Don't just sit there and think that that's you have to just accept it. Like there is something that can be done, and most importantly, don't be afraid to go get help because most of us can't do this on our own. Like we need some help, some coaching, some mentorship, some support to be able to resolve that tension and the disconnect that you're feeling that makes you feel like you're on this never ending hamster wheel or, you know, waking up in that movie Groundhog Day where it's like, okay, this, this can't be life. Yes. Oh, (laughs) this can't be life. Yes. That feeling. Uh, Yes. But thank you so much, Tasha, for coming on the show and just being so you know, honest, transparent, and just for dropping some gems. I know that, you know, the women that listen to this episode would definitely, definitely have lots of amazing tips and strategies to take away. So thank you so much for coming on the episode. But we're going to switch things up a little bit. This is the But What Do I Know podcast. So, you know, we have a segment where we want to get to know our guests a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you four questions. And without thinking too hard, just give me an answer, okay? Okay. What is your favorite genre of music? Mm, I say anything with a good beat. So I go with hip hop because like, I love a good bass, good bass, some good twerking music to get you a little bop too. Yes. It's like, it, it always brings up my mood. If I can get a good bass and you, you can't listen to, to a song with like a good bass and a good beat and not bop your head. Yes. Anything with a good bass and a good beat. No, you're right. You're right. You absolutely can't listen to something and it not just like completely change your mood for the better. I feel you. <laughs> okay. Question number two. Are you the life of the party or a homebody? So surprisingly, I'm actually probably more actually like a homebody by nature in terms, cause it depends really like, so I have my times where I like to be just like at home by myself chilling or like not doing too much. But then I have my spurs where I'm like, man, I really feel like going out to go dance. Like I got some energy I need to let out. And so like when I do go out, I'll be in the middle of the floor. I don't care who looking or whatnot. Like I'm on the dance floor the entire night. <laughs> yes, a woman after my own heart. I feel like I can do both too, you know? Like I feel like I'm a homebody, but once I get on the dance floor, game over you know i could do both (laughs) i'm good at both i'm hardcore both of them depending on the time depending on when you catch me (laughs) okay next question what is your go-to dance move when the dj plays a song i don't know i usually hit him with a little bop first to kind of just groove it out see how the dj doing warm it up get you know just like move the hands get a little bob a little hip move you know, and then I hit him with a little twerk once I really get into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, that's so funny. Yes. You know, you start with a little two step, you know, just to warm up. The hands get to moving next. You know, the ass starts to shake and you start going. Woo! <laughs> OK, final question. What is one place you're looking forward to traveling to in the near future? South America. So my husband and I were supposed to go to Argentina Um in the beginning of December 2020. So my mission is to make it to every continent at least once. South America and Antarctica are the last two that I have on my bucket list. I've been everywhere else. So South America is the next one. I can't wait for COVID to go over so I can be sitting on somebody's beach. Like, 
first stop is somebody's beach. <laughs> oh, girl, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. A beach, a tropical destination in a beach real soon once COVID is over. I'm definitely, definitely with you on that. So again, thank you so much, Tasha, for coming on the show. I appreciate you. But before I let you go, can you please just let the listeners know where they can find you? Absolutely. So you can follow me on Instagram at Real Talk Tasha. That's the best place to stay connected with me. If you want to learn more about me and what it's like to work with me, you can also go to my website, uh, www.realtalktasha.com. And like I said, make sure that you follow me on Instagram at Real Talk Tasha to stay connected. You can also keep up to date on, you know, any upcoming events that I have and, you know, where you can find me and hear more about me. Okay, perfect. And I will definitely put all that information in the description of this episode so that the listeners are able to connect with you. Again, thank you, Tasha, for joining me for this episode. It was honestly amazing to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Thanks, Jid. With that, we are at the end of this episode. Thank you all for tuning in and for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tasha. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share the podcast with all your people so that our community can continue to grow. Stay easy, stay safe, and I'll talk to you all real soon. Bye for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.